You're listening to Literally, the podcast where you literally get a complete behind-the-scenes peek at a one-on-one business coaching relationship and the transformation that unfolds over the course of six months. I'm your host, Lacey Seitz, business mentor and success coach and the founder of A Lit Up Life. These are recordings of actual coaching sessions with one of my clients where you get to experience her journey right along with her and gain insight into building your own lit up life and the business that you desire. All right, guys, welcome to session 10. So we are going to jump around a bit in this episode, and I think that's actually going to be really helpful to hear because one, we cover a lot of different topics, but two, I think it also just shows you how sometimes your client just needs you to do that with them. Like they need to go back and forth and jump around and process and get it all out. Other times your client really does need you to steer the ship and direct them back to the you know, core goal of the conversation. And really get things back on track. And I think as a coach, the absolute best thing we can do is really practice that discernment. Like what do our clients need from us in the moment? And what Sabs really needed today was that processing and that jump and, and, you know, just being able to follow her around that. And so I think that'll be really helpful to pay attention to this session is just knowing that it's okay to do that if that's really what's going to serve your client best. And it's okay to steer the ship back to what's really necessary if that's what's going to serve them best. And so just really pay attention for that this session. I hope that you guys really enjoy it. And as always, thank you for listening. Hi. Hi. How you feeling? Perfect. I missed you. I'm so sad I didn't get to see you. I know. Sad. Thank you for taking care of the baby. Always. So what's going on? Um, well, we got back home yesterday. It was a tough-ish travel day, but yeah, Paul and I travel really well together and we were in business class, so I feel like it was as easy of a bad travel day as it could be, which was nice. But yeah, I'm kind of balls to the wall for the next three weeks, just getting ready for the holidays and to take some time off and cramming in all of my stuff. Last time we spoke, I had a mental breakdown on air about team stuff, which was so fun. Can't wait for my mom to listen to that episode. That's going to be a really great day to get a call from her about professionalism. Um, But also, like, these are the real things and this is what happens and sometimes we need that breakdown. And, like, you know, I think that that's what makes the podcast good and hard is that, like, typically that wouldn't be aired so it wouldn't matter and it would be, like, your own personal breakdown and you get to go through it and process it. And so just, like, credit to you for still having it even though it's being aired. And I think, like, everyone can understand and take that for what it is that typically that is done in a private container and that's, like, why – have these you know for sure yeah so something really important to say is that sabrina's breakdown or whatever we want to call it right from the previous session is normal and also we have to remember that the container in which that was happening is designed to be totally private So it's okay and normal and often very healthy to have those moments in a private setting like that. Like that is why one-on-one coaching can be 
wildly useful because it's a space to have that and have those moments. And so obviously Sabrina has decided to be incredibly brave and vulnerable by doing this on the podcast and sharing that with all of us. But I just really want to name that because I think that's important. Like what happened was not the truest truth probably now that she's like coming out of it, but it also was her truth in the moment and being able to have a space in which to process that is so key and is what helps you get it out and move through it and then go back into the business as a CEO without all of that emotional charge. And so just really important to normalize that and also remind y'all that having a space like that for yourselves is so key and so important. But um, all of that to say, though, because like everything went wrong five minutes before our call. So obviously I was like right in the heat of it, but just simmer down, got some more information, feeling good. Also, Paul gave me a good perspective where he said, you know, like this is the most back end work you've ever done in your business and you're overhauling everything at once. Like everything is so complex because of the size of your business. Like it will never be this hard ever again. And so I think that was good perspective because for so many years, everything has been so smooth and so easy. And then I was just like, okay, redo everything all at once in a couple of months. So that just is what happens sometimes. So I think that was also just a good reminder. Well, I think it also lends itself to what you actually found out, which is like, the reason stuff wasn't getting done is because there's so much going on and there's not, there wasn't enough hours there to get it done. And so like one, that's a solution that you can super fix. And then two, like that completely fits with what you're saying there, which is yep. like, there's just a lot going on and like the hours that worked before maybe don't work now. And it's just like worth acknowledging that, you know? Yeah. So that's all been adjusted and we've done that. Um, big increase in hours all across the team. The takeaway from that whole conversation with team was that her team needed more hours to address those really specific things that we asked of them. But that's why we want to be really clear and address how to fix those things, because there's often a really simple answer that we can't even see when we're really mad. But without that clarity of like, here are the exact things I need to change, here's how I need them to change, it's hard to actually know what the solution will be, right? So when we got that level of exactness, then they're able to say, well, what's required of that is more hours and it looks like this. And so that's really exciting to be able to kind of put those two things together and really see that there was a super clear solution. Now, does this necessarily fix everything? I don't know, right? We'll see, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but having a very clear and specific way to start that process is so useful. We've recorded our first View Coaches Kitchens, which is exciting. I don't think I told you so, that the last time we met. I don't think I had done that yet. I think you did it like right before you left, right? Yeah. And then Black Friday went very well also. Yes. Tell me about that. I mean, obviously you're still in it, but give me give me some rundowns. Um, a couple hundred grand. I don't know how much exactly. We also got a ton of millionaire applications, so we'll for sure close Good. a couple of those. Um, I don't know exactly how many accelerator sales. I would guess maybe 11, if not more. Um, And then we also got a bunch of Start Online Business Academy and Holiday Business Bundle and things like that. So good. Okay, so is the process that we've been talking about for Millionaire happening? Like is someone on your team reviewing those applications? 
Yes. I think that okay. just last week there was like time off for Thanksgiving and things of like course. that. So yeah, it's yeah. just been a bit different. Um, but yeah, there's support there. Okay. Good. Okay. So Black Friday ends today. Yep. I think we are ending it tomorrow actually for us. Tomorrow. Okay. So that's good just to give us like two more days. But yeah, so it'll end on what I guess the kids call Giving Tuesday, which is a hashtag scam. <laughs> but it is though, because people are like, pay me money and I'll donate it. And it's like, yeah, because that's a tax deduction for them. Just donate it to yeah, yeah, yeah. the charity. Yep. So that's tomorrow. Okay. Great. Well, people are going to think I'm such a fucking cynic. You're a bit of a Scrooge. I never donate money at the grocery store when they're like, do you want to donate a dollar to kids? I'm like, no, not because I don't like kids, but because the money is just making their profit margins look higher and it gives them a tax deduction. When if I just donated it directly, I got my own tax deduction. See how that works? Hashtag facts. See? Okay, great. Now that we've given everyone a lesson. In corporate greed. Yep. How to be, how to be a Scrooge. What else do we need to talk about for Black Friday? Like, does that feel done, I guess? Or does it feel like yeah. there's like anything to like adjust last minute? Or does it feel like it kind of did exactly what we needed it to do? I think it went really well. We got another accelerator sale like 30 minutes before this call. So that was exciting. Good. And I also got another DM from someone who is going to sign up today. So I think we'll probably get like another five or six sales before the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. And then Millionaire, we also have a lot of really great stuff there. We also had, I think, two clients re-sign for Millionaire. Um, so like they're just all in all, I think things are going really well. So good. Yeah. Okay. So next up is Sales Planning Workshop. Yep. December 8th. So all good to go there. We've already sold a bunch of seats. I don't know how many exactly, but I can look that up. And we haven't really even pushed that very hard. So that's good. And then after that is vision board party on the 28th. Okay. So sales planning workshops done, done though. Like the only thing yeah. left is to actually market it. Vision planning or vision board is yep. almost done, kind of done. Yep. So we have already over a hundred people in for sales planning workshop. Okay, great. Which is good too, because you haven't even been promoting it really. Yeah. Um, and then we also have a really high upsell rate on the bump order, which is great too. So we're selling it for 23, but then there's a bump order to get the sales call swipe kit for 27 and something like 40%, 50% of people are buying that, which is increasing our order value to $50, which is nice. So good. That's yeah. awesome. Mm. Yep. And I think we turn ads on for that one tomorrow or on Wednesday. So we'll run ads to that one. And then the sales page is done. All the graphics are done. Emails are done. So that will be ready to rock. And I don't know if I did this or didn't do this, but I'm pretty sure I pitched it in a couple of my podcast episodes. I don't know because I recorded them all months ago, but I think I did. And we'll definitely put okay. it in the show notes, like get your ticket. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. Done. Done. Easy. What do you want to talk about? I don't know. I have a feeling you do know. Um, Judging by your face. Can you like tell me how I'm doing? No. What do you mean? I'm just kidding. Yeah. What do you mean? Well, so I feel since I'm like in it, like I can't actually tell if I'm like growing or improving or like making a difference or anything. Kind of like what we were talking about the other day. Yeah. Like 
we were talking about that because you're like, aren't you so proud of yourself? I'm like, what are you talking about? I've done nothing. Like, I can't really tell the difference if that makes sense, just because I'm so in it and focused on it. And also I've just been making a fuck ton of money for a long time. So I'm like, cool. This is just how it is. Do you think it feels different right now though? I mean, I just got back from a week and a half with my family. So I'm a little bit out of it in that sense of just, I was like really in it and then I was really out of it and now I'm just sleep deprived. Yes, it does feel different in the sense that I'm very like in the motions, very disciplined, very committed. I'm doing the mindset work. I'm selling every single fucking day. Like all of that is happening, but yeah, I don't know. Does it feel different in terms of though, like, cause I totally agree with you in terms of the commitment. Does it feel different in terms of the like ease of it or no? I mean, business was easier beforehand in the sense that I wasn't doing anything, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think also like what Paul said of, I decided to rebuild every system I've ever had in my business that is going to make things stretchy for a period, which were almost at the other side of that. But overall, I would say my business feels easy. Like I know I was pissed off last session naturally, but overall I would say business feels pretty easy just because I've been doing this so long that nothing really phases me anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that that's sort of the point is I feel like the difference now is that it feels really like solid and grounded and like you can handle everything and like it's happening without like a lot of intensity and chaos and all of that kind of stuff. Right. And I feel like, yes, there's all this other growth that we can talk about. But for me, like when I look at it, like that's the real growth is like, you're making all of these shifts and changes and rebuilding without it having to come from a place of like, reactivity or intensity or chaos or any of those things. Like you're just doing them because it makes sense because it sets you up for the future because it sets you up for a future baby. Like that part is like drastically improved. So I answered Sabrina's question to how am I doing with a conversation around how much she's improved the like chaos and intensity, because I think that's truly everything for sustainable success that feels good. So the reason that felt like the most important answer is because I really believe it's the most important building block and foundation for things that actually feel good. Do I think you can run a business that feels more chaotic and intense? I do. I think Sabrina's done it for a while, but do I feel like it is the thing that's going to really like light you up and make you want to be in your business for the next 20 years, et cetera, et cetera. I don't, right? So I feel like, yes, all of the like monetary wins are amazing. I think she's doing an incredible job, but that's the part that I think is actually going to give her the biggest win in her business, but also in her life, right? Because when your business is running your emotions, it's impacting your life. When your business is not running your emotions, you have a significantly better quality of life. And so just really wanting to remind everybody that like the chaos and intensity, when you improve that, when you work through that, when you manage that so much more effectively in your business, everything changes for the better. Yes, the results, and of course we all care about that, but the experience of it in totality changes and that's what's really important. Do you agree? Well, the words that just flashed through my brain were return to chaos. 
<laughs> you want to fuck some shit up, basically, is what you're saying. I don't want to fuck some shit up, but like maybe that little bit of spicy edge would be a fun time, you know? No, I don't know. Explain to me what I you're. You'd really have to sell me on that one because I don't. Well, I don't have to sell you on it. I just need to go do it and then stress you out about it for the next six weeks. <laughs> Yay! Merry Christmas, um, bitch. Yeah, I was just going to say happy holidays. Um, Listen, I think that do you want to do things that feel fun and exciting to you? Yes. Is chaos the way to get there? No. Does your brain want to do that sometimes because it seems more like fun and exciting? Of course, right? Yeah. My family unintentionally staged an intervention. Interesting. I don't think they realized what they were doing and it wasn't an intervention, but it felt like one because we were all sitting around the couch. Basically, mom and Paul start grilling me, my other mom, not Lacey mom, but my other mom starts grilling me about like my business and what I want to be doing. And like mom and Paul just have this like whole conversation about this is what you need to do next in your business. I'm like, okay, cool. Sounds great. Thank you. But yeah, basically what my mom said was she was like, I know you, you're getting bored of this shit and you need to go bigger. And I was like, thanks mom. I hope you liked the turkey. I made it just for you. But I think that's exactly it. Like you, you get to go bigger because it's fun and exciting, not because you're creating chaos, you're making it yeah. like a big thing, or you're being super reactive. Like the, it's like this foundation is what lets you go bigger. It's not like how do we stay bored and okay with that. It's like how do we like let this level of like commitment and certainty and all of those things kind of be yeah. the springboard for that instead of it being like. I'm only going bigger when I'm like fucking shit up or causing a lot of drama and issue. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I think that she's exactly right where it's like, it doesn't mean you can't like have that fun and excitement and go bigger, but it's like, can you come at that from like a totally different energy? Yeah. Yeah. But my mom and Paul, they were like, you need to have an office building. I was like, what? And they think I'm interested. I need an office building with full-time employees that I go into because they're like, you just bounce off of people all the time and they need to be there to like catch your genius in the moment. I was like, okay, cool, whatever. And also they've decided I'm going to be the next Tony Robbins and do lots of live events. And my mom thinks I need to start targeting more corporate women who are exiting corporate who have the big bucks to spend. And I was like, cool, fun, exciting. Okay. Well, how do you feel about all that? Well, I don't disagree with her. Um, I just feel like I can't do that and live in Scotland. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a tougher time zone and I'm away from the States. So that was the other thing. Paul really wants to move to America now. Uh Uh-huh. And you did for a while. I did for a while, yeah. And how do you feel now? I don't know. I really like my life here. Do you want me to like bring Paul in and we could yell at him together about why staying in Scotland is a good idea? No. I mean, Paul's always welcome, but I'm not, I'm not prepared to yell at Paul. Well, what about a guest expert on the podcast? How exciting would that be? Paul Thompson, guest expert. Yeah. You could like put him in the show notes and everything. Okay. But I I don't think I'm going to give you what you want in this. No. In this episode, we're having an intervention with Sabrina's husband, Paul Thompson. We're not having an intervention with Paul. Okay, whatever. But he can join us. But yeah, so I don't know what I want to do. I really like my life here and Mm -hmm. I'm happy. But also when you're with family, you're like, oh, I wish I spent more time with them. 
Well, I think the thing for you that comes up for me is like making a, a move like that is so, so big, right? And so like, I think you'd want to do that much more for life reasons than business reasons. Like your business is great and growing and like, we can circle back to like my thoughts on that. But like, like, I don't think that's a requirement for you to reach your next level of success by any means. I think like the reason you'd want to move is much more because of like life and a desire to be by family and potentially exploring having kids, like things like that, that are going to be so much more solid and like grounded in why you'd move versus like feeling like you have to do it for your business. I think that's just going to make you resent your business. Yeah. I mean, I don't feel like I have to do it for my business, right? Like the intention would be do it to be close to family. The problem is my family lives all fucking over the place. So it's not even like Mm -hmm. I can move home and like, yeah, everyone's there. But yeah, just generally though, I can see how it would be easier for the business to just be able to easily fly around for US-based events and things like that and be on a US time zone. Because I only have Mm -hmm. about three working hours a day where I can actually take calls. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and I only take calls two days a week now. So it's pretty selective about what I do and who I work with. But no, I I wouldn't want that. And also at the same time, I would fucking hate it if people messaged me at 9 a.m. Because right now no one wakes up until 1 p.m. Right. Some major balls right there. I think that you would make either work. Like I really do. I think that you are someone who always figures it out, who always makes it work. I think like what you have to figure out is what do you want. And I think it's like so much that exercise that you have to do with yourself because you know how you're going to do it. You're going to go back and forth a ton. You're going to change your mind a ton. You're going to pro con it a ton. Like you almost have to let yourself go through that. So I know I've said this on previous episodes, but I think it's just so helpful to see this pattern and whether it's a pattern that you have or you have a client that has, I think it's really, really useful here. But Sabrina tends to go back and forth often and she often takes the side against what the other person is saying or doing. This is not like a bad thing. This is just so often how she really processes and it's so helpful to both sit with it and to call it out as a coach, right? So you can know that someone processes that way and like be willing to sit with that and be okay with that. And you can kind of call it out when the process or, you know, the pattern is happening. So what I ultimately want her to keep coming back to is what she wants, because sometimes when that is the way in which we process, we're just always taking the alternate side. We're not actually stopping to think about what we want. So that's really what I want her to see here. Like, it's not bad that that's how she, you know, goes through her own process and decides how she feels about things. But what's bad about that is if we don't take it a step further and make sure that she keeps coming back to what she actually wants at the end of the day and not just the, you know, alternative side that she's taking. So again, whether that's where you are a client, you can really do both. Like you can both be okay and normalize that process and sit in it. And you can see that there's this way that it won't serve you unless you also take it a step further and make sure you keep coming back to the core of what you actually want. But I did do that. And then I decided on, oh, I'm for sure staying in Scotland. But I feel like every single time I go home, it's just like the same feelings. And then I remember when we landed in Scotland, Paul was like, let's go buy a big house in North Carolina. And I was like, oh, literally the second we landed, I stopped missing them. But yeah, but that's just, I feel like a coping mechanism of moving around a lot as a child. Like I had 18 schools from like first through 12th grade. So like the second I'm gone, like 
everyone, previous friends, team members, teachers, whatever, like you're dead to me. Who are you? I think something you do is like whatever you're in, you're very in. Mm -hmm. Like when you're with your family, you're like, I'm moving. I'm right. Like you're super present. You're super in it. And that's the thing. And then when you're home, you're like, I'm super present. I'm super like, you're very just like out of sight, out of mind a little bit. Yep. I think my relationship with you is the only exception to that because you text me every day. And if I don't text you back, you like hound me and you'll message me on Instagram. Why haven't you answered my text? Text me back. And then you do. So it works every time. Right. So like, I'll talk to you every day. Don't forget about you when I'm not in Tampa, but everyone else, I forget about them. Just kidding. No, I don't. But also I kind of do. Yeah. I mean, I I think that that's just like you said, I think it's a little bit of a coping mechanism. I think that it's also like, in some ways it's like a healthy adaptation and not like you make the most of whatever you're in and you're good at like finding the positive in those things, you know? Yeah. Definitely. You're not like somewhere always wishing you were somewhere else. Yes, that's true. Like every time I go to Paris, I'm like, we should move to Paris. And Paul's like, you say that every time I come. I'm like, I know. And then as soon as you leave, you're like, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why traveling worked so well for you when it did. Lessons in shiny object syndrome. Everything sounds good when you get there, but then when you go back home to your stuff, you realize that what you've got is pretty good. Amen. Okay. So like what... What do you feel like is your big move here? Like, do you need to decide what you're doing in your business? Do you need to decide where you're moving? Like, what feels like your big takeaway from that conversation or your big fish to fry? I mean, I really don't think I want to move. Maybe I could one day see myself going to North Carolina, but we'll see about that one. I mean, I have to state the obvious here. What? About Tampa? No, but yes. But like you are married and there are two of you making these decisions too. So like that is a thing that we might take into consideration too. Well, the good news about being married to Paul is that he will go wherever I go because he wants to make me happy. But Paul really likes the idea of being close to family in the United States, but he's also very happy here in Scotland. So Mm -hmm. it's not like he's upset or like wants to move desperately. He just is making some comments about it at the moment. But yeah, I told him we could move to North Carolina if I could have a $6 million McMansion. And he said three, so I said no. (laughs) Welcome to (laughs) negotiations with Sabrina. (laughs) Never split the difference. (laughs) Okay, so are you just going to table it for right now or what's the thing? Because what you don't want to do is like spin out on it for too long. Well, no, because like, I mean, I spent months talking about this in therapy with my therapist about like, should I move back home? Like, should I move back home? Yeah. And then my mom, I was like, okay, fuck it. like I'm going to move to the United States. And then my mom yeah. was like, just kidding. I'm going to move to Europe. And then two months later, she was like, just kidding. I'm not moving. So I was like, oh, never again. So yeah. Do you think that, okay, so that was going to be my question a little bit is like, do you think that that's, are you having a reaction to that? No, because I wouldn't consider moving to Naples. Like, I just think it's too hot after living in Scotland. You know, I just, but it's not what you said me. a couple months ago. I don't know. It's just, it's a bit hot and it's a bit Republican. Mm-hmm. You know? True. Okay. North Carolina is technically a purple state that leans red, but... Did you know, fun fact, that a lot of Scottish people, when they left Scotland, 
um, after Culloden and after a lot of conflict with the English, they all moved. And also as part of like immigration to the States, they all moved to North Carolina because the Blue Ridge Mountains mm-hmm. reminded them of the Highlands. There you go. So it's like aesthetic wise, because that's my favorite. The Highlands is like Solheim. I was like aesthetic wise, I think I'd be quite happy here. And also my sister's yes. in North Carolina. This is true. I think mm-hmm. you should think about it. Yep. Good school system, good healthcare system. Okay. So are we tabling it or are we thinking about North Carolina? I think we're tabling it for at least six months. Okay. Can I hold you to that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm really not thinking about it much. I think the way you need to think about it is like what it is impactful around is the the kid thing. Yeah. I mean, the nice part about being rich is you can fly places. No, no. I just mean like if you guys genuinely decide you want to move, like you may want to do that prior to getting pregnant. Well, you can actually put kids on airplanes these days, Lacey. You know what I'm saying? It might be a lot to have in a cross ocean move with a small child. Yeah, but it's free to have a baby here. I know. That's what... This is what I'm saying. You've explained this to me extensively. And they give you a Scotland baby box and they give you free vitamins and free dental care. I'm aware. You know why I'm aware? Because you've told me this. You know why you've told me this? Because we talked about how it makes sense to think about this before you have a baby. So that is just my reminder here. Yes, you can move in any set of circumstances, but do you want to? Probably not. So that's a consideration. Mm-hmm. Private planes. We could just put the baby in a box, poke some holes and ship it. You are a delight. You know that? Well, did you know that we actually have to get a private plane for Bonnie anyway? So we could just put the baby on the private plane. This is true. So, But these out. are things you might want to think about, yes? Maybe. But not, not too hard. I really don't. Okay. So when are we thinking about the baby? What are we thinking about that? When? 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 I don't know. I feel like I should offer one up in Q1. Okay. (laughs) So then maybe we shouldn't table this move discussion for six months. Maybe we could agree to table it until February. Well, the thing is to move to the States anyway, it would take like a year and a half. Right. Depending on visa. Yeah. So we'll see about that. I, I'm not going to move to the States anytime soon. Like it would be like a minimum, like two years, a year before I considered moving. Okay. But you're a year and a half out once you decide. So February. Yeah. Wait, no, I'm not prepared to make a decision that soon. No, no, no. Like revisit it because it's going to take you months to make a decision. (laughs) Why don't we table this until like 2025? No. Why? Okay. Okay. Why why not? Let's do it. Exactly. Let me live my best European party girl life. You know that you get to do whatever you want. But my point is that this impacts other things. Yes. You need a change in perspective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what my brother kept telling me this week when he was like asking for money and stuff. And I said, no, he's like, you need a change in perspective. So... You too, Lace. Okay, so here's my perspective. I'm just going to ask you about it again later. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't really feel a strong desire to move. So I get that it impacts other things. And 
what I know to be true is that people can move people, animals, babies, and shit. Do you notice what you do, though? What do I do? Is you lean into it, and then when everyone else is like, okay, let's talk about this more, let's do that, you lean super far away. You're like, why are we even talking about this? Da, 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 da. This is ridiculous. Like, in this entire conversation, the beginning was like, I can see how being in America would be better for me, and it would be this, and it would be that. And we're like, okay, let's talk about it. Let's. Re-. And now you're like, why are we even talking about this? 2025, bitches? Like, what? Yes. Because I can see how on paper it makes sense, but just from a soul perspective, it would suck my soul and rip my heart out to move to the United States. That Wow. Okay. Big statements. Yeah. I remember I was thinking before I went to go see my mom, either in like February. When did I see you this year? I saw you in September. I saw you in April slash May. May. One of yeah. those when I, when I was coming to see you. I remember I was thinking like, maybe I'll move to Tampa. Like maybe I'll move to Naples because I have this dialogue every time I go back home. And then I remember driving past strip malls and just feeling (laughs) so sad. And I was like, I can't do it. Okay. So the strip malls did be good. (laughs) Well, we'll table it. But the point I want to make is you're not necessarily finding your own discernment sometimes. You're going, like, you're just pushing against what anyone is saying. Like, if Paul was, like, hardcore and I was, like, hardcore on being, like, you should stay in Scotland, I guarantee you you'd be doing the opposite right now. Yeah, I mean, my mom thinks I should stay in Scotland. Paul's problem is that he loves his family way too much. You know, if he just, like, simmered it down or not. Such a character flaw. Yeah. Big character flaw. But if he just like simmered it down a little bit, he'd be a-okay. Okay. So your soul is going to die for here. So we're going to stop that for now. What about the business thing? Oh, about like moving it to the States? No, no, no. Like you were just saying that you feel like, you know, you're, you had like a little bit of an intervention, you're bored. Should you target yeah. different people? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, they, they weren't like concerned about me. It was more so just like my mom was curious and like digging into it. And she's like, what are your numbers? What's your profit margin? What do you spend your money on? I was like, here you go. Here you go. Here you go. And then obviously Paul being very proud, he's like, I just think Serena should go so much bigger. She should do this, 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 and this. And my mom was like, yep, totally blah, blah, blah. And then they're just like jamming off of each other. And yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't like a bad intervention. Like I, appreciate that they both think that I'm going to go by Oprah one day. Love that for me. But yeah, I think more so what I like sometimes struggle with is like, I'm so happy here where I am with like every aspect of like my house, my car, my life, the car that I can't even fucking drive, like my dogs, my friends, the parks, like I love everything about it, my members club. And I just feel like I'm so happy and cozy in my little life. And I feel like this big vision that they're talking about would require me to leave that cozy little life, if that makes sense. Why would you have to leave? Um, Is that the moves thing or are you talking about it in a much broader sense? I mean, I think a broader sense. I definitely think that a move would be easier, right? You know, because like if I needed to go do something, that's a three-hour flight, not an 18-hour flight. So it's just easier in that sense but not required. But yeah, I mean, like if I had an events-based business and I was hosting like six, seven events in the year, 
all in the United States, it's just easier to be in the States, except I hate the United States. Mm -hmm. So there's that part. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I feel. Why does it have to be an events-based business to go big? I just think I really do well in those. I mean, you were at iLive. Like that's some fucking sales balls energy right there. You know, I don't think it's required, but I think I really enjoyed it. And I think I'd kind of written off the return of live events post COVID. And then I talked to my mom right. about it a little and I was like, do you think events are coming back? Cause she speaks at a lot of these big, like huge corporate events in front of thousands of people. And she's like, yep, they're back with a vengeance. And I'm like, okay, cool, cool. Good to know. You know? Well, I think that, you know, your brain doesn't have to take it so far where it's like you do none or you're doing seven. Yeah. And also I think like what you want to balance too is, you know, part of our like goal right now is to help you feel set up for having a baby when you want to. And so I think like, you know, that's sort of where your brain sort of pulls you in different directions either, because I know some of what we got rid of was actually events because you wanted to not feel like you had to be super present flying. So like, it's not that you couldn't, but I think just like not feeling like it's so all or nothing because that's when the stories come up of like, I can't have all these things I want and this. So what if it's like one or two events a year? Like, can you have that and everything else you want? Yes, right? Yeah. And this is where you get bored because you're not fucking shit up or this feels exciting. It does not feel exciting. Does seven feel exciting? Seven feels like a lot. I don't know about exciting. Yeah, I don't know what the answer is. I just know that my family has decided I'm going to be on the New York Stock Exchange one day, so I need to figure out how I'm going to go do that. Do you want that? Maybe. I think that's what you need to figure out first. Yeah. I think you have a lot of like competing goals in your brain right now, and that's what we need to get straight. Yeah. Would that be fair to say? Mm-hmm. Because then it's too easy to go in 15 different directions and not to bring it back to my point, but to bring it back to my point, that's when it gets chaotic, right? Yep. So what does Saps want? I have no fucking idea. I don't know. I'm good. Give me something. I think about death a lot. Okay. Why? What do you think about? everyone's getting older that's the weird thing about going home is you see like how much older people get so quickly yeah and not seeing them for a period like a big period of time yeah i mean the next time i see bennett well i'll see bennett soon but i mean with max like if i haven't seen max in two years and now he's like a 21 year old stud muffin like what the fuck you know sophie is allegedly 26 but i don't really believe it You know, because in my mind, she's forever 12 years old. So it's just stuff like that. And like my mom is 50. And I asked my mom, I was like, did you ever think you would get 50? And Sophie's like, well, she didn't think she was going to die. And I was like, I can't imagine myself 50. So are you worried about you dying or are you worried about other people dying? Or it's not that. It's just like existentially you're thinking about it. Well, I think I worry. I've always believed that I was going to die young. So maybe I'm just feeling some of that push to figure out what I really want. I hope I'm not concerning you. I told my therapist this and she was like, do you want to die? And I was like, no, no, just to be clear, I don't. But I just think about it a lot. And I think also it's just an anxiety thing. So like every time I'm cutting 
like an apple, an onion, whatever. I'm very conscious with the knife because I'm like, the knife is going to cut my hand. The knife is going to fall off the floor and cut off my feet. You know, I hate driving in cars, which is why I don't know how to drive a car because I was in a car crash when I was six. And then again, when I was 18, I don't want to have to fly on a private plane if we ever take Bonnie back to America because statistically, commercial flights are much safer than private flights and chartered flights. But that's just the safest thing for her. So I just always have these like thoughts running in my head of like safety. So it's not like death. It's more so just like avoiding death, if that makes sense. Do you feel like that's from this place of really believing something's going to happen to you? I don't know. I think I just never imagined myself getting older is the thing. Like I just, I could never, and maybe that's because I never saw people around me really get older. You know, like my grandparents lived in Germany my grandmother lived in the States and then she died. And for like the last six, seven years, she didn't want anyone to see her because she was getting really sick. So in my mind, like the oldest she ever got was like 60 or something, you know, if not younger than that. So I've just, I've never really seen people get much older in that way. And I've also never known anyone who has died in my family. Yeah. You know, like my grandmother died, but there was no funeral for it. So I've just, I've never been close to that. So I'm just very confused about that whole thing. Do you think that you're thinking about it in a way of more like, like when you sit with it, is it more of like an anxious feeling or is it more of like a legacy type of feeling? Like, is it bringing up for you that like, what does that look like for me? What legacy am I leaving? Like what, which I can't really quite tell if you're saying it's like from a, like a deeply anxious place or really from more of like a curiosity place. I think it's both just because since my family history is so like traumatic and broken and fractured, like I feel a big pressure to kind of break that cycle. Yeah. And for that to really like end with me and for a lot of the healing and the family to like happen with me and my generation Mm -hmm. I think there's definitely that piece, but I think in just a post, like during COVID, I think I got a lot more anxious. So I think Mm -hmm. there's for sure an anxiety piece, like don't chop your fucking fingers off, but also like I have a giant scar on my wrist from like a cooking accident, Thanksgiving 2015 or whatever. So like I have had like cuts and scrapes and things like that, but yeah, I don't know. I also just feel like the internet's such a terrible place because it's like child, you know, dies and chokes from swallowing a rock. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then I'm like walking around Bonnie, like, don't swallow rocks, bitch. (laughs) Yeah. So it feels like there's like almost like this like existential pressure and it's causing some of that anxiety too, right? Of like, hey, like if if it's true that you're going to die young, like what's going to happen with that? What does that look like? And then obviously Mm -hmm. that like puts a lot of pressure on like your day-to-day stuff. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so this feels like an important piece I want to call out, but Sabs mentioned, you know, different things about how she's feeling about death and that conversation. And I just really wanted to say this because it feels super, super important and responsible to do here. But I know that Sabrina has great therapeutic support. I know that for sure. And I know she's addressing her anxiety there. Otherwise, that would have been a very, very different conversation, right? But it's really important as a coach to be able to hold wherever the conversation goes and to meet your people in all of it without also having to become a therapist and fix it all, right? Obviously, I have a background in therapy, and so there's always a huge pull in me that wants to have that conversation more, that wants to go there, right? But 
I know that that's not my role as a coach, nor is it what I'm licensed to do, nor is it what's actually going to serve her more in that moment. She's just wanting to vocalize and be seen in that. She's not looking for me to fix that right now. But I think it's really important to just say that because I think sometimes as coaches, especially if we have that type of background, we want to dive in and fix everything. And just knowing where your lines are, I think is really key. And I think you know, sometimes more harm than good is done when coaches overstep that. But also it's really important to know, does your client have great therapeutic support? I'm able to address that in a certain way with Sabrina because I know that's foundationally in place. If you don't know that with a client, these are the moments to engage in that conversation over the how can I fix it conversation, right? We have to know our lines and our boundaries and really treat that with a lot of care and respect. Like I really can't understand enough how important I think it is that we know what our role is for somebody and don't try to become everything to everyone just because we think we should or can, but that we're actually doing what serves them best. I think it's almost too easy to go in ego there sometimes of like, oh, but I can help with this too. And to be able to, you know, stay in your lane is really a skill that we have to develop over time. And so I think there's really two points I want to make here. One is, do you know if your client has great support to address that? If not, that's the conversation. And two, just know that there are really important lines and boundaries to be paying attention to and being aware of as a coach and like staying in your lane is really of service to your client. And I know you're like working through that anxiety piece of it but do you feel like you're working through the like what does this mean for me and what I'm like leaving piece well I think that's why my mom is like you need to go bigger because like you're getting bored of this and that kind of goes into like the frustration I expressed early on in this season of like I fucking hate so much of the shit that happens in the coaching industry and like I almost like don't even want to be associated with it anymore And it's not that I don't love coaching. Like I love coaching, but I just hate the internet bullshit and dramas. Like right before this call, I had to message someone saying like, Hey, like you copied my post. Can you please take it down? And like, that just doesn't happen on a bigger scale. Like if Adidas copies Nike shoe designs, they get sued. But then if it happens here where you call someone out for copying you, they're like, I hate catty women. I hate women who tear each other down. I'm like, bitch, shut the fuck up and say hello to your internalized misogyny. You know, so I just, I don't know. It's just, it's tough. I feel like feeling like, is this all it's ever I'm going to do? You know, like, I think I'd like to go be president or solve world peace or something. I'm definitely smart enough for it. I think that what you have to think about is not so much like, like all of this conversation just then was like about like the coaching industry or what your mom thinks or what this looks like. And it's like, I think you're like needing to like really find your own discernment. Like even the move conversation was like a lot of like what everyone else is thinking around you. And I know that that sometimes is like how you process, but I think like right now, like you're not really finding your own truth in some of this. Mm-hmm. I think I'm starting to make some of these shifts. Like, I feel like my brain is kind of shifting away from like coaching company to media and events company. So like big Mm -hmm. focus on podcasts, big focus on YouTube, big focused on informational products, like eventually a big focus going back to events, I think. But yeah, but my mom was like, are there female versions of Tony Robbins or Gary Vee? And I'm like, no, there's not really. And she's like, why not? And I was like, okay, mom, I'll get right on that. 
but like it's true like that's what i wanted i feel like pre-covid with all the events we had lined up i think we were going to do something like four events that year and then yep. it all just kind of got blown up so i'm not saying i want to go do seven but i think that i'm definitely remembering some of the dreams i had pre-covid and entertaining those again well, I think that that's super helpful and it like gives you that North Star to keep focusing on, right? Is like if that's like what you want to move to, it's because you want that, not because you want to move away from this. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Something that I believe is so important is being able to move to something because it's what we want versus making a decision just to move away from something because it's what we don't want. So like the question is, do you want it because you want it, right? Not because you don't like how the coaching industry is doing it or something, right? And you think that that's really important. I feel like it's so much easier for the majority of us to make a decision about what we don't want than what we do want. And then we kind of end up in some of these situations where we don't actually like that thing any better. It's just not the thing we didn't like, right? So that discernment and that practice of being like, wait, do I not want this just because so-and-so is doing it that way and I don't like it or whatever? Or do I actually know that I'm moving towards something that I specifically, truly, and fully want? That is when you're gonna build the business you love. That is when your life is gonna feel really good. That's when you're gonna have success that actually feels like success. So really important and beautiful question to keep coming back to in your decision-making is like, do I want this because I want it, right? Or do I want this because it's not that? And if you can keep finding the discernment in that, you will be so much further along in building a business that actually serves you and actually feels good to you. I think what I mean when I say like the online coaching industry is just like the whole thing of like no DMs, like no sales pages, no sales calls, like everything's super messy and scrappy and disgusting. I'm like, I just want more than that. But you don't have to play in any of that. Like who cares? Like someone can say that all they want. It doesn't mean that you have to like be part of that. I don't, but I think it just creates this like weird ripple effect in the industry around like expectations and like boundaries and standards and things like that. And then when I do work with like male clients or when I work with clients with a corporate background, like they don't think that way. Like it's just a different mentality of really taking it seriously. And, you know, Paul coaches clients who are making like $30 million a year. I'm like, I want to be doing that, you know? Totally. Which I think you can move to, but I also think like, just like as a reminder, like you are a big voice in this industry and you get to shape it as well. So I think like not feeling like you can't have a say in that or that like this just has to be the way it is, is also really important. Like you get to do whatever you want, but again, like do it because that's what you want, not because you're like feeling like you can't otherwise have this conversation. Like you get to have whatever impact and conversation you want to. And I think you can make a great impact with that. Yeah. I know that's true. I think what I just don't want is for like my whole business to be like talking about like, here's what not to do. Here's why this is toxic. Here's why this is illegal. You know, like (laughs) I would rather be talking about like my own stuff, but I feel like there's just so much stuff sometimes, which I think I've done a good job with like CEO confessions in my podcast and things like that. So I feel proud of the way I show up, but yeah, I think I just want my impact to be a lot bigger than like Instagram. And maybe it's even just like audience size. Like if my audience size like 10 X tomorrow, like maybe I would feel totally different. 
um, about that, even though I already have a lot of people, a fuck ton of people following me. I've like 250,000 between all my platforms and email. But yeah, I think I just want to be having bigger conversations, bigger impact. Okay. So what's like your first step in that? Well, I am writing for entrepreneur again, but they're so fucking Mm -hmm. slow. I submitted two articles back in October and they still have not published them. And back in the day, when I first signed up with them three years ago, they would publish them after like a week, but now they're like, Oh, it'll be four to eight weeks. And I'm like, what the fuck? So doing more publishing with entrepreneur doing two podcasts a week, I think I'm going to get a publicist again. I'm going to start doing live events again. I'm really focused on like the funnels and the ad side of things and just really building that bitch back up. And I might get rid of mini programs in 2024. You are so funny. You like literally I know. fought with me I about know. how much you want to keep them. I know. I know. And look, they make the business a fuck ton of money. But I think what I'm going to do is maybe do keep them all privately, like internally, because I think they're so great for clients to have like a new project or a new program or a new course or whatever. Like I think it creates momentum, but I think publicly maybe selling them a bit less or like selling them evergreen and funnels. Like I'm going to keep with my slate for 2023, but in 2024, I might reevaluate what that looks like. But I mean, we'll see if we have 300 people in the accelerator next year, and most of them, 95% of them are buying from a public facing mini program. Maybe not, you know, but we'll see. I think I just need more data there. But I think the general feeling that I have is I just want to focus on the more kind of like high end work that I like doing. And I also just think that's where I thrive. What does high end mean to you? Like longer term? Longer term, higher ticket, more experienced. I totally agree with you. I mean, I think that you know that that is my belief on this for you is that like, you know, I think like just because our industry is going in a certain way, sometimes it's helpful when everyone's digging to zag, especially because those that is yep. where your like belief lies and that's where you yep. really tend to gravitate and feel happiest. So like, absolutely, let's keep yep. doing these, but do them as a lead in and then track that data versus yep. do them because it's like the thing to do, you know? I don't do them like with the intention of a one-off. Like I always do with the intention of upselling. And what we have found this year is that a lot of people are buying them and they keep buying them and they keep upselling. So I definitely see the value in them. Maybe the thing that I need to shift is just how I'm launching them. So like maybe shorter launch windows so that I can spend more time talking about millionaire and wealthy. So maybe that's the thing, maybe just tighter launch windows. So I don't feel like I'm constantly going from mini program to mini program. Even though they happen all the time, maybe it needs to be like a four-day launch window instead of 14 days or 12 days or whatever it is. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think that you could shorten your launch window. I think the other thing is to have a stronger launch off the back of them Yep. too. Like I think that like there's usually like a casual upsell, but it's not necessarily like full on. And so I think that would make them more worth it too. Yeah, maybe. Oh my God, you are driving me absolutely batshit today. Lacey, your value is your pitch. You don't need to pitch if you're good at what you do. I I hope someone listens to this and is like, wait, what? Is she crazy? I've literally been teaching this to clients for like six fucking years now and it works. And the point is not that you don't have to pitch. My point though is that like when you give value, like that sells your programs for you. 
So hello, I obviously agree with that. But I'm saying if we're talking about changing the... Right. So like, yes, I think you should pitch. Oh my God. But I just, I don't know. You're being annoying. Yes. <laughs> Are we out of time yet? You, I, you literally present a problem and I'm like, here's an... Here's a way to get more sales off of that that feel worth it to you. And you're like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. So, no. Listen, I'll try doing formal pitches. How about that? Oh, my God. I'll hate every second of it. You know what I mean. I meant like a more formal process, just like how you're selling every day right now. I'm not saying it has to be difficult, but I'm just saying like we usually give them like one pitch versus like can we have better sequences off those, right? We can and they do exist. I'll I'll work on believing in them. How about that? Well, I think you have to because you just told me that like what you want to be doubling down on is more of like ads and funnels and stuff like that. So I think you have to believe about them, believe them in other ways too. Yep. Okay. We have a lot to work on here because I think there is still much to be done in terms of what you actually want and what the vision is and like ground that versus like changing it too much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is hundred million dollar coaching company. So I need you Stadium. to work on that hundred million dollar coaching company. Okay. I'll work on that. Well, like, why are you laughing? We've done the impossible before. No, I'm not laughing because I don't think it's possible. I'm laughing because you're just like, I need you to handle that. <laughs> well, I need you to get your mindset there and I'll work on getting my mindset there. Listen, my mindset is always there. I totally believe in that for you. What I think you have to get your mindset around is believing in a specific version of that you want to start leaning into. Not that that can't change, but I think where you slow yourself down is you vastly in big ways around what you actually think that's going to look like. Does that make sense? Yes. So I think I totally believe that that is possible for you, but I think that like, let's get, let's get on a track a little bit. And again, not that that can't shift, but I think like when the swings are so big, it just slows down your progress. Right. Yep. So something I really want to point out here is that ultimately vacillating is what slows us down. Yes, I believe in her like 100%, but I also believe that she has to get more clear and bought in because the shifts are what slow the process down, right? And, you know, we don't have to make that bad or wrong. Like that's totally okay sometimes if we're changing our mind and our processes a little bit slower. But I think we have to see that like the vacillating is what is actually slowing us down. For so many entrepreneurs, that is the number one thing that is keeping them stuck. And it's so hard to see when you're in it because you think the reason that you're stuck is because you need to make these important decisions, right? So, you know, I think that it's really easy to fall into that trap, but when we can kind of, you know, take our head out of the water for a second and see like, oh, the actual thing that's slowing me down isn't which decision is the best decision, it's the vacillating between two decisions. That's when things really get good because what you realize is exactly what decision you make is so much less important than how committed you are to that decision, than how much you're gonna run with that decision. You know, I think it's so easy to trick ourselves into thinking there's a right decision to make, but nine times out of 10, what I see in almost all of the businesses that I support in is that 
the decision matters so much less than your commitment to it. So really keeping that in mind in terms of what it looks like to move quickly in business is so important. It's not just did you make the right decision, it's how committed did you get to the one you made and how much did you stay that track? I love you. The end. I think you're doing great. I believe in you. Yeah. This is a shit pep talk, but I appreciate your time. (laughs) (laughs) No one one asked for a pep talk. That was an actual bonus and you're welcome for it. Thanks. Do you know that I believe in you? Sure. Try again. No, I do. But you believe in everyone. You're like a kid who is like 18 years old who still thinks Santa is real. I wish you were wrong and I don't know that you are, but I believe in you very much. Okay. And I want you to do this and I want you to have this because it's what you want and that's what I want you to focus on. Yes, ma'am. Is you're doing it because you have become very clear that it is exactly what you want. Yes. So is that going to be our journaling for this week? Sure. I'm going to kick that back up. Yep. Okay. I will send you things. Love you, bye. I love you, bye. Thank you for listening to Literally. I am forever grateful to you for being part of our journey and spending your time with us each week. I would love to hear your thoughts on the podcast, so please leave us a review. Each month, I'll be picking a reviewer to give my MSC bundle to as a thank you for listening. This bundle combines trainings and workbooks that walk you through a condensed version of the work I do with my one-on-one clients through my mindset strategy and execution framework. And remember, sharing is caring. If you know someone who'd benefit from this podcast on their own entrepreneurial journey, please share it with them. What I know we need more of in this world is women living lit up lives and running businesses they love and are beautifully compensated for. And if you want more tips and strategies for growing and scaling your own business but are short on time, then you're going to want to opt into my private podcast feed, Back Pocket Business Mentor. You'll get immediate access to a private podcast feed full of tons of three minute episodes where I talk about everything from how to pick a strategy and business model that works for you to how to show up online as an expert and increase your conversions. Just go to a lituplife.com forward slash back pocket to dive in.